Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I'm your host, Dapper Data. Today, I brought a special guest on, okay, to discuss a few topics, all right? This person is, I want to say, multi-talented, if you will, right? <laughs> you know, um, so we want to discuss data preparation, okay? We're going to discuss search and discovery, and we're going to discuss what we call ad engineering, okay? And to me, that's a new topic, so we'll definitely dive into that. Um, and I brought on a special guest, right, to discuss all of these topics, and his name is Andrew Yates. Andrew Yates. Welcome. Say say what's up to everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew is the CEO and founder of Promoted.ai, a Y Combinator startup company. Formerly, Andrew led ads ranking auctions and marketplace engineering and research teams at Facebook and Pinterest. He specializes in designing billion-dollar content marketplaces that maximizes long-term revenue while protecting both seller and user experiences and has published over dozens of patents in commercial media op optimization. Now that's, to me, that's really important because I, I definitely want to uh, uh, hone in on a few patents that I have in mind myself, you know, but, uh, but Hey, look, you have, a, you have had a great career probably at such a young age in your career and things like that. Andrew, tell them a little bit about yourself and thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. As, as you say, I started Promoted AI. We optimize unicorn marketplaces. We sort search, promotes the best listings at the top to increase revenue. And the way we're doing it is we're taking ideas from big ad tech, like at Pinterest, at Facebook, at Google, and we're applying it in general to general commerce media. And one way of thinking of it is it's like everything you've been doing with data science, but there's a dollar sign attached to it. And if, oh. you're, if you do it incorrectly, <laughs> that's other people's money. So people get really serious about it. So that's, I think that's what's really interesting about what we're doing from like a general data science, data engineering perspective, where it's one thing when it's your own data and you're using it internally. It's another thing when, yeah, it's other people's money and they care a lot when it needs to be correct and and it's tricky too it's like you need to optimize on these margins and it needs to be not just mostly correct but very correct because if it's not then you end up losing money yeah, yeah the accuracy definitely has to be a, a lot more on point right you know when it yeah. comes down to because you're dealing with money and you know one of the things i read uh you know when looking through your website and looking at promote ai and diving a little bit into uh, some of the research that i did uh you mentioned that you started um, promoted to match every buyer with every seller across every app, right? And for me, that's kind of, that's very like uh, uh, specific. And that's really like, um, it's awesome, you know, because it, it reminds me of what some of those big companies are doing. Like, you know, you got your Amazons, right? You got you know, any type of uh, uh, companies that are out there similar to that, they're doing something like that, right? Trying to match that buyer with the seller, you know, and and so 
So how are you doing that? You know, is there is there some type of uh, uniqueness behind the scenes or is it just more of the more data you're collecting from individuals? Then that data is allowing you to become more efficient with your 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 algorithm behind the scenes. Yeah, great, great questions. Uh, connect every buyer with every seller across every app. It's it's our our vision for what we're building to the mm -hmm. the gist of it is. If you think about, let's say, Facebook newsfeed, and you think about what it has to do, it can literally be anything to anybody anywhere right now. Yeah. Just create anything, right? I mean, you can go on Facebook newsfeed right now and create an ad about anything. Yeah. And it just goes to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's stuck on it's stuck on Facebook. It, it has to be, yeah. I mean, the bad news is it has to be on Facebook newsfeed or then uh, in Instagram or, or Messenger or there's some of their other properties. We're taking that kind of thinking, but taking it off of that just Facebook and then doing it for your app or your marketplace. Oh, okay. Okay. So that, that makes a lot of sense now, right? You know, so yeah. uh, some of those, uh, like you said, the billion dollar tech companies, right, that are out there, um, they probably have people that may do these type of things, right? But there's a lot of people that are not billion dollar companies, right, that also need this type of optimization probably. And so are you combining multiple? And when you say marketplace, we're talking about the marketplaces that are uh, the ad marketplaces within these type of apps. Is that, is that what you mean by that? By marketplace, that, that's our specialty. That's where we got okay. with these uh, they are multi-billion dollar companies frequently. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're only worth one billion, you could be worth two, right? Whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> More billions. Um, we we are doing really well with some of these more complicated two-sided marketplaces because they have the scale and because they have the complexity. What mm -hmm. what we're doing is um it can also apply to just generally, I have a list of things. I have I have things I can show you. Which do I show you? When you open up your mm -hmm. app, so you pull up your app and you open up your screen, what what do I show you? And it sounds like, well, how, how big of a deal is that? Well, no, that's the business that runs Silicon Valley is what you see on your phone screen. Right, is right. The business, that's the business of Facebook. That's all they do. Just some text and some image, right? And whatever mm -hmm. shows up on your screen, it's worth a trillion dollars. Same thing for Google. Um, same yeah. thing for Amazon on their on their retail app. And then they have um, other parts to it. Around like for Amazon, of course, they have their entire retail business and logistics and uh, such a huge business. But the beginning of it is when you open up your app or you open up your website. What are the things you're showing, and how much is it worth it to others to be shown? And that's where you get into sort of the advertising business. You can start yeah. selling that search and discovery. And, and that's where our philosophy is, is that don't think of advertising as the separate con like a separate industry. It's, it's its own thing. People typically get into the whole banner ads or brand ads and, and, and it has like a negative connotation. And I get it. That's as a consumer, that's your experience with, with advertising. But as a, um, as an engineer, as as someone who's running these marketplaces, these two-sided marketplaces, um, e-commerce apps, social media, it's the same. It's it's just what what do people see and how much is that worth? And then how do you charge for that? And then ultimately becomes your business. And that part of charging for it explicitly to be discovered, that's ads. And for yeah. us, 
we, we specialize in these two-sided marketplaces because it's, it's so hard to do the optimization that they, they don't really have other good options. Whereas, yeah. hey, if I have a Shopify store, I have like 20 items, look, you don't need a whole lot to do a reasonable job. But if it's like these two-sided marketplaces where you have thousands of listings, they're always coming and going, they like you book it once and then it's gone, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. That, that's really hard. It doesn't fit well with any other solution. And so for us, that's been our entry point where we built out this amazing technology and there are certain places where it's nice to have, but maybe mm -hmm. it's more complex and it's more expensive. So maybe it's a lower priority versus there are no really good other alternatives. So we focus on that. Right. Now, and those are great points. You know, some of the things I thought about throughout uh, uh, your message just then was that I'm going on Facebook and, you know, through my business and I tried to, this is my first time ever using ads, right? You know, and there I'm like, okay, I'm going to use ads and putting all the keywords they're talking about and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I still never, never understood whether my, my, everything I did was really booming or not. Right. I feel like I never really, <laughs> I, I didn't know if I wasted a whole year and money or like, it, you know, they can give you the charts and graphs and things like that. It, it, for me, and I'm a big data guy, I'm looking at all the data and stuff. And I feel like I didn't, I never got that warm and fuzzy, right. Of being able to say these specific ads are the ones that I know for sure are working. Um, and I think that was because I look at Facebook and Google, right? I look at those companies, you know, although they're, they're amazing companies, their name alone carries them across, you know, many avenues, right? So if I just, am I, in my mind, if I am a, a, a seller of a product or anything like that, right? I'm going to invest whatever amount of money, the more money I invest, I'm thinking, all right, these ads are going to boom somewhere because it's Facebook, right? It's Google, right? You know, but there has to be companies out there that are saying, look, I'm going to make it more optimized. I'm actually going to take those ads. I'm going to make sure that your ads are even more uh, specific to your audience, even more specific to like how you're going to, uh, uh, your return on investment is going to be much better, right? Like that's what you care about, your ROI, right? You know, and so is that something that you're helping out with, right? More than anything, that ROI in that aspect? Well, we do it from a platform's perspective. We we mm -hmm. don't help you run Facebook ads or Google ads. Right, We're right. Helping, if you are Facebook, your your problem is you need the entire market, you need the entire system. Everyone, everyone's ads plus everyone's user experience combined. Mm -hmm. So for, for example, Outschool is one of our customers. Mm -hmm. Oh, first of all, Outschool runs no ads. Right. So we're an ad tech company. They, they don't have ads. Right? Like, well, that's kind of funny thing. It's like we're an ad tech company, but we've never run any ads on, on our some of our customers. Right. Like, <laughs> people are just like, what? Again, I think this sort of you say ad and people just immediately start thinking about, oh, you mean you help me run my Google and Facebook ads? Mm -hmm. It's it's so super saturated that <laughs> I, that's also partially why I think there's such a big opportunity here. It's just people. It, it's it's hard to think about. You have to like take a step back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take that step back with you. So for Outschool, for example, um, their goal is they need the entire platform to grow, mm -hmm. all of Outschool. So that means they have all of their teachers. Outschool is a a marketplace for Zoom classes. Okay. Teachers will yeah they'll create a course, uh, some lessons. They could whatever whatever their topic is, and then 
parents and learners will join these Zoom classes and that's a marketplace. Mm -hmm. OutSchool's job is to do as efficient matching as possible in aggregate. So not just a single specific class, but all classes combined. And, and that also means that there's going to be some give and take. So that means one person being top of search means another person can't be top of search. There's only one top of search. Yeah. So the goal is how do you do such an efficient job of matching that in aggregate, more people successfully register for a class on OutSchool and are happy and successful with it. That's right, right. Because you're not going to reach out to, uh, I guess, depending, uh, I guess if you look at, and I'm just taking it off a uh, subject a little bit, but I'm just thinking about like real estate, right? You know, mm -hmm. I'm trying to sit there and match all the people, you know, instead of doing those cold calls, right? You're not doing the cold calls anymore, you know, calling about 200, 300 people a day just to see, hey, you want to buy a house, want to buy a house, right? Now you're like, all right, I'm not going to contact people that are, uh 70 years old or older because they probably don't want to buy a house right or that are too young where they want to want they wouldn't want to buy a house right you know or they already have multiple properties why or they already have maybe one property right now why would they want to buy a house so when you're looking at like out school i mean it's specific things that they look at right they dive deeper i'm assuming you know to make sure okay i'm not going to reach out to specific people in the audience that i know are not going to attend these courses, right? You know, whether they're too old, too young, maybe it's an age range specifically, maybe it's a, a financial uh, obligation or financial means or something like that that they have in their background, you know, are they're looking at all those different things? Is that what you're talking about? Something like that. Yeah. The, the idea of it is the computer is doing it for you. Got you, okay. Right. So you okay. can come on, so that gets into like the personalized search piece, which is, hey, I've, I have a five-year-old and the five-year-old loves math. And so in general, start sending me recommendations for math classes for five-year-olds getting qualified. And then, and then the gist of it is, is that, okay, that frees up other inventory for um, other types of recommendations. And, and then aggregate, what happens is if you're, if you're doing a better job of matching what people are interested in, you, you can show fewer impressions. You can show fewer, fewer uh like the cold call ideas like well what if it only took five cold calls to make a sale instead of 50. Mm -hmm. well, and and but you have a budget of only say uh 100 cold calls you can make every day all right and you think of like oh i've got my efficiency running and then you start getting a reputation for the people who can actually make the mm -hmm. deal and so more people come to you and it starts like this virtuous cycle so you can think of what what we're doing with this matching problem matching buyers and sellers across every app um Think of it as the, the core of it is you're finding what people are, the, the good stuff. You're like finding the good stuff, but also like the good stuff for this specific user. And because you do that more efficiently in aggregate, more is being bought, which means more is being sold, right? For every buyer, there's a seller. So yeah. everyone's being more successful. Buyers are more successful. Sellers are more successful. There's more now more inventory available because things were bought. So now more people can be for sale and you get more diversity and you start growing, it starts that virtual cycle. And for the ads piece, that's where it's like, well, how does the marketplace make money from all of this? So mm -hmm. if you think, for, forget ads for a moment, just like 
OutSchool is an example. Hipcamp is another one of our customers in terms of like real estate. They do, um, uh, if you have land and you want to sell it for like, uh, rent it out for like an Airbnb camping. Mm -hmm. um, they make their money by completing transactions. Like mm -hmm. some, some fraction of the sale goes to the marketplace. Um, and if you've ever sold anything on eBay or uh, like Facebook marketplace, that, that's a pretty typical transaction. Like, Hey, the, the platform gets a fraction of the sale. Well, why is it 20%? Why is it not 15% or like, would, would you be more likely to use my platform if it were 15% or like, could I charge you 25% and actually just make more money and you pay it? I mean, you may not like that if you could choose to pay lower, right? But you know, <laughs> could you make more money as a platform for, for charging more of a fraction? So this is how we think of ads is it's just the third part of this optimization that you've got your buyer and you've got your seller, but you also have the marketplace itself and they have an interest in what they show because that's, that's their business. So one is just they will right. the sales they do, but they also get a fraction. So the idea of it is you can start raising the prices on sellers, but you need to, to make that sustainable. You need to give out some sort of value in exchange. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I just raise, it's a lot easier. Why don't I just raise my prices and then you know if everything is good and great. You know, I made more money and I didn't have to. You, usually, there's a trade-off, right? Like if I start raising my prices and sellers will complain and then they leave and then you get like the negative version of this cycle, right? Like sellers leave and buyers don't find what they're looking for and your marketplace shrinks. So um, think of ads as this extra layer of optimization, which is, all right, I'm going to charge the seller more effectively. I'm going to be charging you more per sale percentage. Mm -hmm. Like you have to pay whatever the fraction is, but you also have to pay the ad spend to be discovered. And you can even think of this like, well, I'll leave aside the cross-platform piece, but you can even think of this like your media spending, your cost, uh, customer uh, acquisition cost. Like here's how mm -hmm. much it costs to spend to get a customer and here's how much you make on it, right? So mm -hmm. from the marketplace perspective, you can think of ads as, well, I'm going to charge sellers more and I'm going to give you an exchange more volume. I'm going to make you more mm -hmm. prominent. You're going to be top of, of search. Um, you're going to reach more users. I'm going to give you more control. I'm going to give you more like lower variance. You have less seasonality or something like this. So I'm giving you something in exchange, something of valuable exchange uh, for, for paying higher fees. And then maybe there's also this consideration of maybe you're not the best match. Like maybe you're almost as good of a match, but you're not as good. So then it's like, well, what is it worth to the marketplace to show us maybe a slightly worse match or slightly less relevant match to get more money today? And so you solve for that equation. No, that, I mean, that's awesome. And, and I, it made me think about how, like, just to cover costs in certain areas, you almost have to raise your costs sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. on the back, end, right. <laughs> just to make sure you're covering those, those fees within the ad optimization portion that you're talking about. You almost have to make sure that you're, that you're covering those costs with your by raising your prices, you know, what you're selling and things like that on the back end, you know. I mean, you can, but it just seems like that makes more sense now that you broke it down. Yeah, of how it works, you know. This is this um, is how Facebook does it, right? Or Google, or really all of these major ad platforms. This is this is how they think of it, and they they literally they have like the quality score and their optimization. You have mm -hmm. your objective, but then the platform has an objective as well. And the platform's objective is yes, they want to make money but they can't make 
too much money, they can't show you terrible ads and then you'll leave right. and stop showing up. Right. They want good ads and they, they want to also incentivize advertisers to go make good ads. Um, at the same time, users need to have a good experience in it, like solving for this, this trade-off. Uh, in yeah. fact, there's even there's a, a patent Facebook filed years ago, like tried to make this explicit, like this sort of auctioning everything all together in, in yeah. newsfeed ads and, and uh, newsfeed stories together. So there's this, this sort of concept of putting a dollar value on interrupting people or like a negative user experience. That's yeah. some type of thinking that we're bringing to marketplaces so that they can optimize these sort of trade-offs. It's not just make it always better. It's, it's at yeah. someone else's expense, but you need to quantify how much at expense so that you yeah. know how much and value you need to get in exchange so that you're always profitable in the long term. So that's what we're solving for. Man, man, that's, those are things that you never think about that goes behind uh, ads, right? You know, just ads in general. I sit there and I'm all I did was put in my keywords and all that good stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, over time, right, they're going to look at stuff and it's going to collect more data and it's going to make it better and things like yeah. that. But you don't think about all the other things that you just talked about, right? When it comes down to how ads work, right? Thinking yeah. about putting a price to the interruption of somebody else, right? With the ads, I mean, that's something I never thought about, right? You know, yeah. um, you mentioned search and discovery, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something very important. I wanted to touch on that because, you know, there those are two different things, right? You know, and there's two different definitions from it. I definitely want to know your thoughts on the definitions, you know, but when you look it up, they talk about search and how it promises to make this vast, like, swath of information available, right? Mm -hmm. But then you have, like, discovery that's more aiming at uh, making more relevant knowledge immediately accessible, right? Would you would you agree that that's something that the difference between that search and that uh, that discovery? Aspect? Yeah, I like a a, a pull versus push. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and when I think, I mean, I think when when we talk about search and discovery, I mean, I think I, I look at like Facebook and Google, right? They do it in my eyes very efficiently. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, probably the most efficient that I've seen in so many, so many years and stuff. You know, uh, let's talk about the importance of search and discovery. You know, what are your thoughts on how important it is, you know, and how it's impacting things and how how data is involved with that? Yeah, this this is critical for e-commerce apps, for um, for marketplaces. It's it's basically what you're selling. Unless you're doing also distribution or fulfillment or or you own the products yourself, you're selling the ability to be discovered. So it, it better be good because that's your asset. Like, why do people keep coming back to you? Like, let, let, let's say OutSchool, for example. Um, there's a challenge of once you find the thing you're looking for, or Google. I, I don't pick on my, let's say Google. Like, why would I, why did I go to Google, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when I find the thing, I found it. What do I need Google for? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, this sounds obvious, you know, 20 years later, but when they first got started, it was, it was that, yeah, the Yahoo model is like, no, don't leave Yahoo, stay here. Please don't leave. Yeah. And Google was, because if they leave, then they're not on Yahoo anymore. And how are they going to make ad revenue on that? That sounds, that sounds really dumb, right? Like, right. <laughs> off of Yahoo, that's dumb. So uh, Google had the opposite idea, which was, well, 
it's not it's not the specific thing like this specific query it's the next time right if you get selected that's really 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 valuable mm -hmm. so this idea of search and discovery is what do you need what do you need the, the app for well i need it to find the thing i'm looking for next once i found it once i found it yeah. well maybe i don't need the app anymore i mean until i need the next thing right yeah until you need the next thing and that's why search and discovery is so valuable to get right is because you build that habit you train people that your app is useful because you find the thing you're looking for right right so what what do you think I mean, this is something I just thought of over the top of my head, off the top of my head. I'm just thinking that what are, it's almost like important to uh, care about the personas of people who are searching, right? You know, like, like when they're, when they're sitting there and they're searching, right? There's, there has to be a top five things, right? Or top three things that the average user cares about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you could think of when when they're thinking about search, right? You know they're going on on online to search something, you know, or, or in an app or whatever it is, you know. And and what are what are like those top three things that somebody may care about when they're thinking about search? Hmm. Well, let's break it down to com commercial search because that's okay. generally what we specialize in. Versus like search is so broad, you could just say, hey, like yeah. any sort of search. Um. I. I think it depends on the different apps. The things that I've seen are price, um, like relevance to their, their query, and then um, certain tags, like why why are you showing this to me? So yes, it's relevant. Yes, it means within price range I'm looking for, but like, why did you show me this versus something else? And having different right. tags, like is it new or is it like um, the best value or is it on sale? Oh. Those are the top three things that I think people look for the most. Yeah, yeah, and I and to add to that, I mean, if I was in there searching, right, I care so much about, I guess, time, right? You know, I, I care about like, like speed, right, of getting back efficient results or accurate results too. You know, I mean, I've searched so many times, right, even in commercial search, right. You know, just sitting there searching and and you want to get stuff back fast so that you can make decision on whatever it is as fast as possible and so but you want to get back the right thing right what you feel comfortable with getting back when you're searching and stuff right you know what does the right thing mean right i think uh, i think yeah. what you're saying a little bit is hey i don't want it to be broken i mean yeah for <laughs> sure i mean i don't go into any app wishing that oh i hope it's not broken like right that, right that's, uh, <laughs> that's true it, it is i just it, it, they better be really amazing. They better have something I really, really need. Uh, right. I'm not there because I want to be, right? I'm there because I have to be. Um, I think then, so let, let's say the table stakes of, yeah, it works, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it opens, it didn't crash, and I didn't have to wait forever. Also very important things like, yes, mm -hmm. definitely need to have those things. Uh, that's critical for user experience, but probably not what people are thinking about in terms of, oh, I hope I don't have a negative experience. It's more like, right. um, what is, you know, accurate? Like, what does accurate mean, especially in a commercial sense? Mm -hmm. It's it's much fuzzier, I think, than people give it credit for. And this is also getting into the measurement piece. And I'll, I'll talk about that more. So as I'd like to get more into the data piece of this and like how, from yeah. like an engineering perspective, this is all done. But um, 
people want to be told the answer. Like they don't want to be, they don't want to guess. If, mm. if you search for something literally, then it's, that's pretty obvious. Like, okay, if I search for an exact string, then I want to mm. see that exact thing for sure. But yeah. it turns out in practice that exactly correct doesn't, it's much fuzzier than you actually may think. Like, well, maybe there are multiple locations. Do you mean the one that's nearest to you? Do you mean the one that's like, I, mm -hmm. we, we, a, um, we bought a Tesla a couple of months ago and their search wasn't as good as, uh, I think they've, they've improved it since. But I remember like you'd search for a cafe and it would give you one and like, they'd give you the exact correct answer and it would be in like another state. And it's like, well, oh, yeah. What? You know what I mean? Yeah, like is an exact match. What do you mean right. by accuracy, right? So like, there's this idea of trying to infer intent. Of yes, here's what you said, but here's what you probably meant. Oh, right. And right. this sort of the sense of like what you probably meant. This is where the data part comes in, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And this is like our superpower. So like, like oh yeah, well all this high tech level. How do we do it? Like, what is what are you doing? What are we doing? A lot of it comes down to measurement. It comes down to just mm -hmm. measuring here's what people saw and here's what they actually engaged with and and then did they come back measuring all of that correctly and then you have all the infrastructures like eventing you have um, the data processing you need to join this information you need to aggregate it, it needs to be done in real mm -hmm. time and representing it back to the system to learn from it so that the next time you're able to figure out oh when someone did something like looks like this like x when i search for starbucks I probably mean the Starbucks that's within a mile from me in the direction that I'm driving, not the Starbucks. Right. Starbucks, so like, right? Yeah, yeah. However many miles away in this context, right? Like it also depends on the context, but in this context, I probably mean X, not Y. Not nearby Starbucks, not the far away one. In a different, mm -hmm. like if I type Starbucks in Wikipedia, no, I I don't care about the story of the Starbucks next door. I'm probably interested in Starbucks as a stock, as a company, and tell me about their company history. Or if mm -hmm. I'm in my car, no, I I really care much more about Starbucks near me, right? Because I'm probably trying yeah. to. So you can, you, it's, it's, it's a bit of a fool errand to try and hard code every possible context, everything that anyone could be ever thinking of. That's Google's job. I mean, they do a pretty good job of it, I'd say, don't, don't you think? Yeah. Um, but you can get pretty close by just measuring what people are doing. And then, okay, when you see something that looks like that, do what worked before. And that's the technology that we provide to marketplaces is measure everything and then predict back to maximize whatever you're trying to maximize. But that's sales. So, okay, this led to a sale. So do that again and don't do the thing okay. that ignored or um, didn't work. Right, right. And then, you know, something where you're saying, hey, it worked. Like, it clicked this button, it worked or something. I mean, even if it's not a button, you know, but just acknowledging that this thing worked. Okay, great. So the next time come around, this worked, this worked, this didn't work, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And then that machine or whatever it is gets better and better over time, you know, throughout the process. Now, something that, you know, to dive a little bit deeper into that search, area right you're searching for data that's there right that's been collected underneath the covers you know from multiple sources and all that good stuff now i want to talk about the importance of data preparation yeah. right preparing that data because the inaccuracies that can occur to the data during that processing right 
is 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 important, right? You're searching. Yeah. How the hell do you search for like bad data, right? <laughs> I mean, how do you search through like data that's not prepped at all, right? So I'm yeah. sure that Google and Facebook are doing all this crazy stuff behind the scenes, still prepping things. You know, they can get the raw stuff, but at the same time, let me clean and merge and lunge and things like that. Uh, uh, consolidating, separating fields, transforming the data, changing the formats, all that good stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, do, do you agree? Is that something that you see? Is that, and do you see that data preparation is very important? Well, it's search? critical. Yeah, if you don't have good data, then what are you doing? And what, what, what you could possibly expect the machine to do if you give it garbage? It's, it's, they can't fix it for you. I, I'd love to think of this from an ad tech perspective, because I think this mm -hmm. is something a lot of people have experienced with from a lot of different domains. And then mm -hmm. you can think of this onto, let's say, e-commerce app or marketplaces, which are our typical customers. Um, well, how do I know that if I sell this ad that it costs someone to buy? Yeah. Yeah. How do you know? Yeah, that's a good question, right? <laughs> um yeah. that turns out to be a really valuable question to answer. And a lot of it comes down to the data prep part. Mm. Somehow you fire off a pixel, then you need to attribute it back to what did this who is this person? And then did this person see anything that would have potentially influenced that? them to make that purchase and then getting all of this together and joined and prepared and then it goes into as inputs to machine learning models to try and predict things back into the future but the first part of it is measurement and measurement can only be as good as the data you're sending it to it uh if you can't join together records if it's not the right format if it's uh, your mobile device I th that's my favorite topic like uh, a lot of people grew up on the web and maybe they've built a website you know oh I have a mobile app and hey, hey, look, there's no click on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. There's no mouse. There's no click. There's no mouse, <laughs> right? Right, right. There, there's there's no like impression. There's not like, did you right. see this or not? You just get these streams of mobile events. You can tap on the screen, like there's a tap. And what did you yeah. tap on? If you do any mobile engineering, so like there's a stack of different things that you could have engaged with. They all trigger these events. Mm -hmm. This gets into data preparation. It's not necessarily, I think a lot of people think of data preparation as the mobile engineers do their thing, who knows what they do. If you're a data scientist, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. mobile engineering, it happened. And now I have a table. Now I'm going to do my work. Now my work. Right. <laughs> Boy, you really set yourself a failure. So you're you're, you're, you're going to have a bad time. Like, no. <laughs> it starts at the mobile device. It starts at, okay, not just data appears you have your mobile device and it's instrument like what is a click you have to instrument what was touched did the user mean to touch this thing was there like another menu on top of the thing did you like take an account like oh maybe they clicked a a, a menu box that was above the, the your your ad or your listing did is that what they clicked on or did they click on the thing itself and then like an impression like okay you have a stream of visibility events do you aggregate that together into like was this an impression or not? Like if you had like a Facebook ads manager, like was this an impression? So, oh, and then you have to transmit that data, right? Okay, well, um, a mobile device, it's on a wireless connection, you have bandwidth, you have, it's unreliable. What do you, how are you gonna do with that? Like you need to stream it in and then you need to process it. And then maybe you need to join it with some other server events. Like maybe you can't send all of the entire event 
across the mobile device. Maybe you need like, you have like a piece of the information, but you need to join it with other information. So this sort of data preparation, this is actually a core thing that Promoted does. And it's frequently overlooked in the sense of like, I think a lot of people think of, in, in our experience in industry, a lot, especially like marketplace apps, especially ones that are growing pretty quickly where um, people maybe come from a web background. Uh, the data preparation is so important that it's like most of the work, but yeah. it's done in an automated fashion. Like you have to do it as part of the whole pipeline. It's not something that comes later by some data scientist. By that time, it's too late. You're like, it's too late, man. By the time it's a data science. <laughs> you don't have anything. And and I think what a lot of people have been trying to do is there's a lot of popular ML in a black box kind of stuff. Like AWS personalized. It's great. Check it out. If you want to do like ML, please do like 10 minutes on, of searching on Google or Amazon or Microsoft. They have a lot of tools. Mm -hmm. And they will give you for free, or open source. They will give you the algorithm yeah. for free, open source. Host it yourself, or they'll mm -hmm. host it for you for like a few thousand dollars a month. It's yours, right? Yeah. It's like all the latest and greatest. It's amazing. And 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 uh, and you think, wow, really? You know, the greatest, latest, and greatest. And and that's because, yes, it's nice to have the ML, great, but the data part is what's yeah. important. And they don't do that for you, right? Like you have to bring your own data. Yeah, you have to oh, bring it on. It should be, it should be prepped. It should be prepped you before bring data. Where'd that come from? <laughs> oh, you don't. You don't have. You've just got like some purchase purchase table. That's all you've got. Well, mm -hmm. sure, plug it into Amazon's AWS personalized model, and they'll get you something. But it's probably yeah. not that great. And Amazon's not really worried about. It. They, they don't worry about you taking over Amazon's business by you using Amazon personalized with your uh, purchase yeah. history. Like if you're serious, if you're serious about like if, if you're, let's say, quick, uh, quick commerce marketplace and you're serious, like, oh, actually, we're shooting for it. We have a $10 billion valuation and we're actually going for a $50 billion valuation. We're going to go public. Mm -hmm. Amazon's not worried about you if you're just like, uh, we'll just use whatever purchase history we've got. We'll just throw it into like whatever model that we will we'll whip something together in house we'll go use the open source or they're not you don't have the data because amazon has the data they do all the instrumentation they know all of it but you don't you're just right. like oh i got a magical black box and i put like i hire like three or four top people they've got phds they're from facebook they're great like they're gonna make all this work mm -hmm. they're not worried about you no yeah yeah no prep. it's all the hard work yeah, I, I I completely agree. I mean, it's like eighty to ninety percent of the work that's done prior to the decisions that's being made, right? Like uh, that data preparation. You made up a good point one time when you you mentioned um, how it's so many parts to the data preparation piece. I mean, one particular part could be uh, where you say you get a table or or a data set, right? That that has a bunch of data, a bunch of rows and columns, but all of it really doesn't uh, make sense for you to make a decision from it, right? You know, but then say you combine that with a whole nother data set, right? Then, oh crap, you got you got some decisions that can be made based off of this, right? You know, mm -hmm. and so now you have to join them, right? You have to clean them up, right? You got you got missing missing, uh, you got white spaces, you got all these different things in there, uh, and 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 that helps you make 
a more accurate decision in the long run. And I, I remember listening to a guy by the name of Andrew Ng, right? You know, he deals a lot. I think he's out in California and stuff area, but but he deals a lot with like machine learning and and all that stuff. He teaches mm-hmm. some really good stuff, and and he and he talked about he did this study on how. You know, he he's training a bunch of people that are creating these awesome models and everything like that and machine learning. They're just killing it. Right. And when he says, OK, it needs to be more accurate, they go back and they try to fix the model. But they never try to go fix the data preparation portion. Right. And that's probably the most important part that they need to do. Sometimes you don't even need to fix the model on services. It's clean the data up, you know, prep it better, you know, figure out that hard part underneath and then put the model on top of it and you can make it, it everything will become more accurate you know at least by like 10 percent or something you know they say yeah. so no, that's where most of our value comes from honestly well yeah we have all the fancy ml whatever but it's just correctly measuring things i think even the language you're using like cleaning the data like mm. like, like cleaning is not I don't get a PhD in cleaning data, right? I mean, yeah, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but think of it a different way. It's, look, if you're running a business, that's nerd stuff, okay? Leave it alone. This is your core business. Your business is processing this data. This is this is what you do, processing this yeah. data. That's it. So like, that's your top priority. It's not like an afterthought that someone's going to go up and like later clean up. That's, that's, that's the core of what your, your core assets, the data. Right. Right. So it should be like a given, right. That, that you're doing this. Right. Yeah. That's the core. That's yeah. the most important piece. So I, so I, I remember, uh, when, when, when looking up some of the stuff of promoted AI and then some of your background, you mentioned a lot on ad engineering. Right. And for me, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Andrew. I don't know anything about ad engineering. (laughs) And honestly, when you do a search, it's like, I don't know what happened with the search criteria and all that stuff, why it's not coming up as much as you should probably have it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, knowing the differences between ads and you got engineering, right? You know, and understanding when I look at engineering, right? I think, you know, um, I think about a person that is doing some of that that grunt work if you will right you know some of that that um and correct me if i'm wrong because you know i don't really have the engineering background but i think i've I've done a lot of engineering work you know i think about the building um building a system that collects like the the management converting that raw data into usable information you know Mm -hmm. whatever it is for like a business analyst or data scientist, right? You know, probably other people as well, but uh, they have an ultimate goal of being able to make that data accessible mm-hmm. to the person, right? And then when you throw in ads, I'm like, oh man, how does this even work? So could you explain uh, when they, when somebody says ad engineering, you know, uh, what does that really mean? And yeah. how does ad engineering work behind the scenes and, 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 and like, being able to use being used to design great ad marketplaces and things like that let me talk about how we use it because i think it's different i think a lot of people have a lot of different ideas of what what ads mean what for our perspective it's it's how do you make money from data directly Mm -hmm. pure pure money from search and discovery and then from like a data 
preparation, you think, oh, analysts are helping to prepare this information for someone else to consume it. There's no one. You are responsible. If you're wrong, you lose money, other people's money. They don't like that. You're in big trouble. Like, it needs to work. So everything needs to be instrumented in a way that you are ultimately accountable for making everyone money. And then therefore you're in a fraction of it. And if you're wrong, cool. there's not like some interpretation layer. You're not helping other people make decisions. You are making the decisions. You're accountable. And that's why right. I think that sort of discipline comes from ads engineering. And I think it's a very healthy discipline that can be applied in other domains as well. Ads engineering, it's, it's very real. Yeah, so so if you walk me through, I guess, um, how to, an ad engineer will play a part um, when designing a great ad marketplace, could you walk me through that? Like, how would you envision an ad engineer playing a part in that? Yeah, I think, let, let's say for a, a just general uh, commerce marketplace uh, mm -hmm. for, for marketplace, it's one, it's correctly measuring what people are doing. Mm -hmm. All the data instrumentation that get it correct. Next is matching, using that information to see what people are actually doing. What, what, what did they see? What did they engage with? Did it cause somebody to make a purchase versus were they already going to make a purchase and showing them this, this item didn't cause them to make a new purchase. They just, like from a machine learning perspective, it's like, how do you make that distinction? It comes from ads world, the whole incrementality world. We don't have time to get into that. Think, mm -hmm. Thinking of like, if you're able to maximize every every individual's objective altogether, that in balance, it's going to make the entire marketplace more efficient. And taking that sort of discipline of measurement needs to be correct, then you need to have the right incrementality model. Like does showing somebody this cause them to buy it because they're satisfied with it? And then having that feedback loop in place for, okay, show them these things, they made the transaction, show them the next things, the next people. This all comes from ad tech world, doing it a very high level of, of precision and accuracy and accountability. It makes the entire marketplace much more efficient and gets that, that positive flywheel effect moving much faster. So that ad engineer is pretty much throughout the entire life cycle. Even when you're going back through, you know, responses, you know, from the work that's been done, they're mm -hmm. still in there to do improvements throughout the entire time yeah. to continue to optimize things. Man, they get a lot of money, man. <laughs> That's why Facebook is worth trillions of dollars, right? Facebook, Amazon, Google, these these companies are worth trillions of dollars, right? Even just like Pinterest, which is where uh, I met my co-founder, Dan Hill, a great company. They're worth tens of billions of dollars, and they do nothing but just show you different images on your screen. Mm -hmm. That's their entire business. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, 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 it does make you wonder, like behind the scenes, what makes them say things like, I'm optimizing this for the, the specific user, right? You know, how do they get that customer experience, right? It's all about that. And so that's been important, you know. Well, hey, look, I, I appreciate you being on here, Andrew. You know, this has been an amazing experience. Um, I like to leave the audience with what I call a dope nugget or a gem, you know, and I'll ask you, you know, what your thoughts are. But for me, you know, based off our conversation, I took in uh, the word measurement, right? And how key that is yeah. from many aspects, right? But that data engineer or the ad engineer uh, perspective as well, continuing that whole life cycle that we talked about, 
the process and the joining, the cleaning, the prepping, and all that stuff like that. Uh, that engineer plays uh, probably 80% or more of a role throughout this life cycle. And they're continuously in there, right? The end result is what the data scientists may have to deal with. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that data engineer in place to, to do the things that they're doing, right, throughout the life cycle, then the decisions are probably going to be off. They're not going to be accurate. You know, it's not going to be as optimized as you need it, right? Yeah. So... Um, you know, what are your thoughts, you know, what, what have you uh, got from this conversation and anything you want to leave with the audience? I'd say the one discipline from ad tech that you can apply as a data engineer, uh, data scientist is don't help people make decisions. Like this idea of like, you're not accountable for the final decision. Like uh, other people are accountable for, no, you, you are accountable for the decision. And ultimately if you're able to express it precisely, you can then make that into a computer program itself. And that's effectively what machine yeah. learning is. And and that's the thinking in ad tech. You no, are I like that. for the decision. Not you're not helping other people make that decision. So therefore you have to be really clear about why you're collecting data and is this actually valuable? There's no hiding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I no, that's that is an amazing final thought because a lot of times I would say even with myself. I sit there and you you bank on those those uh, you know the data that you're collecting right as being the, the way that you make that final decision. So you're like it's the data, right? You know, but if you hold yourself accountable for that, you know, I think it would actually put you uh, if you hold yourself accountable, you actually would probably put more effort into some throughout the entire process to make sure that that final decision is real. You know, so um, no, thank you for that, Andrew. All right, time to have a little bit of fun real quick. Um, I know we got to run and everything, but uh, I like to end with a game called Overrated, Underrated. Mm. And um, I got this game from Gary V, so I give a shout out to him. But during this game, I like to ask the guests uh, or throw out a couple topics, right, for the guests, right? A few topics for the guests. And you get to choose whether it's overrated, underrated, right where it needs to be. You get to explain it a little bit further if you want to. If not, then we can go on to the next one. That's fine. You know, are you ready, Andrew? I'm, I'm ready. All right. Pier 39. I don't shop there. I don't know anything about that. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> overrated. <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's overrated. Got you, got you. Yeah. I thought Pier 39, I, was, I thought it was one of the piers or something like that out there in California or something, you know, that's uh, that's out there that people go to. Or if not, then maybe it's, uh, maybe it is the shopping store or something like that. Let me see. Oh, you, you mean the Fisherman's Wharf? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Fisherman's Wharf, you know. So, what's your thoughts on that? No, I'm, I live in San Francisco. That's for tourists. Uh, <laughs> you know what? That probably is very true. Oh man, I didn't think about that. Most of the time, you're probably getting like tourists there that are uh, that go there. You know, you're not going to get somebody that's like a local, right? That goes there that often. You know. Okay. All right. What about the Golden Gate Bridge? Same thing. Oh, I think it's underrated. I think it's beautiful. Really? Yeah, I love it. It, uh -huh. I, it, it's, uh, it's 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 one of the most famous Zoom backgrounds. But it's very frustrating actually because you know the where if you if you know the area, it's like no one lives where this picture was taken. You definitely it's yeah. not on your window. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think underrated. Plus, if you think about what it took to build such a bridge, and you read about the history, it's 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 a very interesting story. I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's an icon. It's one of the most popular Zoom backgrounds. Yeah, I think people talk about it. For me, it's like right where it needs to be. 
Um, and I've been there plenty of times. I, I jogged across right through the little, I don't know, they have like these these uh, these things where, where you get together and you get to jog across or something like that. And it was pretty cool. I mean, it was amazing. You know, and I've done it probably at least three times. And I think I'm worn out by it, you know, but I, I love the, the way to even get there, right? You know, getting to the Fisherman's Wharf, you know, going down, up and down the bridges and all that good stuff. I mean, the, the roads, right? They're cool. Uh, the trolleys and everything all right cold weather uh I'm, I'm gonna say that's where it needs to be okay <laughs> depends yeah i don't like cold weather man i do not like it man I'm, I'm good to go with that all right social media ah uh, i'm i'm gonna say un underrated how about that yeah, okay. it's underrated. And the reason is um, people think of it from their own experience. Like, it's easy, overrated. Everyone says overrated. I'm going to say underrated because I don't think people realize how big a trillion dollar business is. Like, mm. just looking at your phone is worth how much money? And it is. Yeah. That's like yeah. the comparison to other businesses in your life is worth so much less money in comparison to, let's say, typical tech. It's, it's it, it really blows your mind. Uh, draw like a graph of the valuation of let's say Facebook compared to every like white combinator. Some people, every white combinator company combined is worth like, I don't know, a third of just Facebook by itself. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's like, it's Coinbase, <laughs> and like all crypto, everything like, yeah. and all Facebook does is what they show you some ads on your, your yeah. newsfeed. Yeah, that is all they do. So I'm going to say underrated because I don't think people realize how big these businesses are. Okay. Okay. All right, two more ice cream. Uh, where it's, everyone knows ice cream is delicious. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I've had some guests that say, "Look, I do not mess with the dairy. I don't mess with any ice cream at all. I don't like it." You know, I love it personally. You know, I like it. it. Yeah, I love you know it. who you are. If it's if it's if, if it's if it's not for you, you know who you are. Right, right, right. All right, last one: traveling. Traveling. Um. I'm gonna say overrated. Yeah. I'm gonna say overrated because I like to live in a place where I don't have to travel too far. Like I like mm -hmm. to be in a place where I can um go around the city. Hey, I live in San Francisco, like that's on purpose. Like I think traveling is overrated because it's it's really why do you have to go so far to find uh, a good restaurant or have like a beautiful sunset or good weather? Um overrated. All right, right, right. Okay, okay. Well, hey, thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate appreciate you being on the podcast. It's been a great experience. I know the audience is going to love this. Um, and thank you, audience, for listening to the Data is My Science podcast. It showed me data your passion. I'm your host, Dapper Data. Where can they reach you at, Andrew? Is it, and is there anything that you're promoting right now? Any conferences, books, or anything like that? Promoted.ai. <laughs> okay. There you go. If you have an e-commerce app or, or marketplace, will help you yeah yeah definitely and and everybody as you know you can always uh tune in to any one of my podcasts um on youtube on um even i'm posting on linkedin now uh on on any one of the social media sites you can always reach me at mrdapperdata.com also check out my website www.mrdapperdata.com and until next week thank you all peace bye
Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data.